Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We consider it an honor to host you. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or on Instagram. Now let's get ready for the message. startup, man. I thought the nine o'clock was a side excited, but it seems like whatever they had, it carried over. So uh, thank you guys for being here today. Thank you guys for your giving. Um, I'm excited to be with you all today. And um, as Pastor Jeremy said, uh, today is graduation Sunday, and this is a special day for myself and my team. If I can get my iPad unlocked every single time, you think I'd learn by now. Um, but it's a special day for our team um, as we get to celebrate and honor all of the accomplishments of our high school graduates that call Bethesda the church home. And this is such like a bittersweet time for me because um, some of these students I've known for a long time and some I haven't known as long, but it's really cool for me because I get to watch them take their next step. I get to watch them move into what God has for them. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm excited for, I know the world says a lot about this generation and my generation and this, that, and the third, but can I tell you, I'm excited for what God's going to do in and through these students. Anybody in agreement with me that you're excited to see what God's going to do? Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to say thank you to our amazing pastors, Pastor Chad and Pastor Karen, for this opportunity to speak to you guys today. I'm forever grateful, um, not just the opportunity to serve here, but the opportunity to uh, share with what God has given me. Can you guys give it up for our pastors? And the Bible says to give honor where honors do. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Whatever I mess up, he'll be back next week to fix. Amen. All right. So now that I got that safety blanket and that covering, we're good to go. All right. But uh, I am really excited to share with you all today uh, this sermon. And I do feel like this sermon is different um, than anything I've ever preached before. Um, And what I mean by this is I feel like this message is prophetic. Um, And if you're new to the church world, that basically means that what I feel like God has for me to share to you all, it's all his word, but what I feel like God wants to convey today is something that'll push you into your next season. Um, And I'm really excited for what God showed me. So without further ado, we're going to dive in. Uh, The title of my message today is Season of Next. Everybody say Season of Next. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for my next. Uh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for 2021. Like I know we're halfway through, but I feel like it's 2020 part two, right? Like, you know, like we got all this mess going on and all this, but can I be honest? I'm tired of the pandemic. I, I'm tired of, of tuning in on Facebook and seeing people's political opinions. I don't care. I, I friended you because I like you. I didn't friend you because I want to see your political opinion. Come on. I've unfollowed more people on Facebook than ever before. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> what the enemy meant for evil. My God. But I'm tired of it. I'm tired of 2020. I'm tired of talking about it. It brought anxiety, brought depression, brought a lot of things. I'm tired of talking about it. You know, you know, I'm also tired of talking about, you know, the toilet paper shortage or, you know, the Lysol shortage or, or my goodness, even a gas shortage or that thereof for that matter. Some of y'all are like, Ooh, no, it's okay. We have gas. You know, we're all good. Um, but if I may speak prophetically here, I believe that our next season will be our best season. And I don't say that in regards to meaning six months from now. I'm talking about right now. I think a lot of problem with the church world, we get over spiritual. We overcomplicate everything. You know, I, I don't know if it's just a student pastor in me, but I like keeping things like even the deep mysteries of the word of God. I like keeping them really simple. Like, I, I mean, I can, I can read some, you know, theological books, but about chapter two, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm reading. 
But I will say this, that when I say our season, our next season will be better and the best it's ever been. I'm not talking six months from now, six weeks now, or even tomorrow. I'm talking about right now. Like I'm talking like this very moment because I don't know about you, but I, I feel like what God has for us next is greater than anything it could ever be. You know, we've heard the prophecies and some of y'all seasoned saints over 40 have uh, been in church for a minute and y'all been hearing about all the rapture. Oh God, he's coming. Y'all been saying that for 25 years. He's coming. When we start singing Days of Elijah, I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'll get kicked out of here. You can laugh. It's okay. It, it, you can laugh in church. But my thing is, I, I, I have a, I'm going to be careful how I said this. I was careful how I said it first service. I have an issue with people that want to like do all this crazy Hebrew math and try to discover like when God's going to come back because they miss the verse. They do all these deep theological things, but they skip over the verse that says no man knows the coming of the father except for God. So the reason I'm saying all this is I know we're close to the end times, but I'm thankful because we've seen 24 of our own middle school and high school students filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I know that what Joel said in Joel 2, that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit. Listen, I'm excited to go to heaven because there's no toilet paper shortage in heaven, I'm pretty sure. But I will say this, I'm thankful that I'm going to have a generation of kids that say Jesus isn't done yet and neither are we. I'm trying to empty hell and occupy heaven. Come on, somebody. So everybody repeat after me. Everybody say, my next season will be my best season. Now hit the person next to you and say, hey, that's for me too. All right, so listen, we're seasoning next. So we're going to be diving into Genesis 6 through 8. And in this story, in these passages of Scripture, is the story of Noah and the ark. Now, most people know this story. If you don't, then, then I'll, you'll learn something today. But most of you guys have heard this story in some fashion. But a few weeks ago, I was sitting on this front row, and I, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me, season and next. And I felt like God said, Jeremiah, you need to go back to Genesis, to the story, and you need to like read through it, and there's a few things I have for you. And I found three things. And the three things that I found, are, I feel like, are three keys or three principles to the season of next. And it's almost like your three keys aren't just going to unlock your season of next, but they're also going to be foundation principles for your season of next. Amen? So with this said, um, Genesis 6, 5 through 8, we're going to go ahead and dive in. And this is what it says. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I'm going to stop right here. One, I want favor like Noah. Come on, somebody. If God says, I want favor and you insert the name, I want my name to be there. Call me selfish. I don't care. I want, listen, it ain't about me, but I want favor to be like when the world's going to shambles, I want God to be like, Jeremiah's good. The rest of them, they all doomed, but my boy, he's good. Like in whom I'm well pleased. Come on, somebody. It ain't wrong for saying it's your Bible too. You can claim it. But the thing is though, you got to understand something for God to say in Genesis 6, I'm tired of these people. I regret making them. Think about the Genesis 1. God says in the beginning, you know, was the word, the word, or that's Mark. Matthew, gospel. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, it was void, empty, dark. And God made all this stuff in six days. You know what he said after he, after he created everything? And it was good. 
Now imagine God saying that in Genesis 1. And then five chapters later, after God saying it was good, he was like, I hate all of them. That's like you with your kids. You can laugh, I pastor them. I know how tough it is. It's okay, I get them for two hours, you get them for six days. It's all equal, I promise you. I don't need kids, I have yours, okay? So, but I want favor like Noah. But to understand something, you gotta understand, God has emotions and feelings. And for God to say in Genesis 1, that he created all these things. And for God to say, I'm done, I'm pleased, I'm happy, I'm good with all of it. And then five chapters later in Genesis 6 to say, I hate all of them. I'm killing them all, except for Noah. That's some pretty steep stuff. Something like, that's morbid, read your Bible. I promise you it's in there. So that's the foundation of it. But this is the instructions that God gave Noah in Genesis 6, 13 through 22. This is what God said to Noah. I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, coat it with the pitch inside and out. This is how you're to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an open opening of one cubit all the way around. Put a door in the side of the ark, making the lower, middle, and upper deck. I am going to bring the floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. You are to bring in the ark two living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of creature. I'm going to sum this up. And everything that walked, crawled, and flew was supposed to get in the ark. It's a lot to read. Y'all bear with me. But then the Bible says in verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So from this passage of scripture, we understand two things, what God is going to do and what Noah's instructions are. God said, build a boat, put your family on it, get one male and one female animal to place on the boat, build a space for them to reside in, build a door and a window, and then I'm wiping the slate clean. So like I said earlier, there's three keys, three principles, whatever you want to call it, to today's message. But the first key is a place for multiplication, the next generation. And this is what God told Noah in Genesis 6, 14. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it. Jump on down to verse 19 and it says, you are to bring into the ark two of the living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Now, God told Noah to make rooms, make room in the ark. Now, if this is something that you're just reading over in your Bible plan in like January, like day five or however you start your Bible plan, you read over this, it could be really easy to, to miss. But I felt like God stopped me at this point and said, you need to look over this and think about this. If you don't understand it, then, then it's gonna be, I'm gonna break it down for y'all real quick. Cause like I said, the simple things, I think God likes that. But what God is doing, it is instructing Noah to do is not simply make rooms for the animals and the kids. But this is God's way of saying you have to make room for the next generation. In a season of next, we cannot simply think about those that are here right now. We have to consider and think about those who are to come. What God instructed Noah to do was prophetic. Think about this. Our lineage goes back to Noah. If you study, you know, all the begats, so-and-so, begats, so y'all know that part of the Bible y'all skip over? <laughs> I skip it over every once in a while too. It's okay. Don't act your holy. Y'all don't know all that. But if you trace it back, our lineage goes back to Noah. So what Noah saw as animals 
and people and his family, God saw as a next generation. God saw 10 generations down. And the reason why is because the fact that the entire earth is getting ready to be, be replenished based on who was in the boat. We have to understand that God is omnipresent, meaning that God is anywhere and everywhere at all times, that he lives outside of time and space. And the reason I say that is because God saw generations when Noah saw family. Think about it. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, where did they come out of? Noah. Jesse, father of David. Jesus came out of the lineage of David and Jesse. Where did Noah play into? That generation. Think about it. Even Jesus came from Noah. Wow. Wow. That's profound, isn't it? Even you. I know, like, listen, uh, you can go back 25 generations, and you can be like, my great-grandfather came off the boat on this island over here, and, you know, now we're here. Listen, all that traces back to Noah. Think about it. God told Noah, make room just not for who's in attendance, but you're making room for those who are to come. Make room not just for your three sons or the elephants or the kangaroos, but you're making room because of what and who was on this boat is getting ready to be multiplied. What Noah saw as family, God saw as the Genesis. Listen, for the people that serve here at the church, the dream team, let me help you all real quick. You're making room for those who are to come. You're not just serving at the door. You're not just helping people park a car. You're not just changing a diaper. You're making room for that single mom to come in and get saved. You're helping that addicted father who's bound and struggling come in here and find a place. Come on, I'm talking to the dream team. I'm talking to the people. Don't just think you're doing the mundane. You're not doing the mundane. In the spirit, you are making room. All these chairs in here, honey, that ain't got your name on it. That parking spot, that ain't got your name on it. I promise you, I don't have a seat, nor do I have a parking place in this church, nor do I want one. Because you want to know why? At the end of the day, it's all God's. I don't want my name on anything. I just want to say, here I am, Lord, send me just as the prophet Isaiah did. That seat you're sitting in, I wouldn't get used to it because what God's getting ready to do, we're in a season of multiplication. What God is getting ready to do in and through this church is multiply. This is really powerful right here. And it's going to mess with some of y'all. But what God did in Genesis 6 through 8 is a picture of revival. Now, some of y'all got, like three of you got it. The other ones are like, how? Ain't nobody shouting. Listen, I said this earlier. Like, I wasn't, I'm not going to say my age because y'all going to judge me and I don't feel like telling my age. But like, revival for me has always been in a church. You know, guest speaker comes in praise team, shouting, carrying on, all that stuff. But, you know, revival used to look like Dollar General. They just put them up everywhere in the field. They put a tent up in the middle of everywhere. They go on for 45 days. I mean, my God, they just put them everywhere. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's what, that was, y'all are like season saints. That's the good old days. We used to lay hands on everything that walked. Pastor Chad said, I remember... Before we, we transition to some stuff in church, I remember seeing people on the altar, and I'm like, my God, they're laying there for a while. And I'm like, nope, she's just pressing him down. That's it. He ain't through yet. He ain't through yet. So I was on the other side. I got carpet burn once on my temple because somebody's pressing my head down. Y'all think I'm kidding. <laughs> they don't go to church here anymore. Don't worry. It's fine. But think about this. Genesis 6 through 8, this is a picture of revival. Why? Because revival and repentance look a lot alike. Think about this. Revival and repentance both start with a cleansing and end with a newness. 
Here's how, here's how I know this. Walk with me. The word revival in the Hebrew is the word chaya, which means to bring back to life, to restore to consciousness or restore to a previous condition. The definition of repentance comes from two words in the Old Testament, two Hebrew words, neshab and sub, and they both mean to turn around and to restore. What does this mean, Jeremiah? Because what God is doing in Genesis 6 through 8 is restoring and renewing what was intentionally set in Genesis 1. That's revival. Pastor Chad's been talking to the staff. He said, you know, uh, him and I had this conversation a few weeks ago. We're talking about revival and, and all the stuff God was doing across the nation through some different speakers and all this. And, and I said, I don't think revival is an event. And he looked at me and I thought I goofed. And I said, well, he said, what do you mean? And I said, because I don't, isn't revival just a renewing of like the spirit? Like, isn't that just God moving? And he said, yeah. He said, we can have revival on Sunday if we want to. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, that's good. And he said, we don't need a guest speaker and all this hooping and hollering. He said, it's good. He said, but revival is somebody getting out of a wheelchair. He said, revival's laying hands on the sick and they were covering. So the Genesis 6 through 8 gives us a picture of what revival's supposed to look like. A group of people getting together and being obedient because revival is just, when you look at the definition, renewed obedience. So when you look at revival, it's just renewed obedience over and over again. So what did God do with these? He got obedient people. He put them in a boat and he renewed it. I'm not trying to jump ahead of myself. This is really powerful. And this is the most important part of this is what God says in Genesis 7-2. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal and one pair of every kind of unclean animal. In this next season, God isn't just going to call the clean, he's going to call the unclean. Now, what God did right here in Genesis chapter seven was something that we call a Christophany. And what this is, is a $5 word for an Old Testament picture of Jesus, the Messiah. What God did in Genesis seven and told Noah to do in Genesis seven is what we celebrate on Easter. Resurrection Sunday and the crucifixion. God told Noah, get the clean and the unclean. What did Jesus do on Calvary? Get the clean and the unclean. Isn't that powerful? I mean, my goodness, if we could understand the concept that the ark is a representation of the cross. You know, I'm gonna be honest. I think our next days, I heard this a while back from a pastor. He said the greatest revival that'll take place isn't outside the doors of the church. He said, it'll be in the hearts of the people that sat in the church for 20 years and never got saved. And he said, once they get saved, everybody else will come in. So what I think God's showing us here is, I mean, it's a couple of different things. One, this is how you're supposed to treat people, get the clean and the unclean. I don't wanna be a part of a body of Christ that doesn't, doesn't care if you're male or female, black, white, what race, what denomination you came from. Because in the kingdom of God, it's one name, one blood. So God told Noah, you get the clean and the unclean. And he probably looked at Jesus at the same time and said, Jesus, in about 4,000 years when this thing goes crazy and I have to send you down, you're going to do the same thing as I told Noah. Get the clean and the unclean and you're going to make them new. Anybody thankful for Jesus this morning? We, we, we got to get this. We have to be ready. Remember what I said about your seat? It ain't your seat. You got to get ready because there's going to be people come in this church that are freed and those who are bound are going to sit where you sit. You got to get ready because those who are broken, disgusted are going to come in this church and they need it. There's going to be people who come in here with a suit and tie on. They got it all together, but really they don't. And you got people that are going to come in here with their clothes torn apart and they ain't got it together. You know what the difference is? Nothing. Get the clean and get the unclean and get them in the ark. 
Anybody else tired of all this denominational nonsense that's going on? I'm going to be honest. We're part of the church of God. I love the church of God. I'm thankful and I honor the church of God. But I see all these denominations splitting over all this myth. Can we not just preach the Bible? Can we not just preach the gospel? Can we not just preach the Jesus that I love and care about? And there's a Holy Ghost that came on the day of Pentecost and filled people. And in the great, oh God, I'm going to preach this. Listen, I ain't waiting for a denomination to get it together. I'm looking for a body of believers that say, I don't care if you're Methodist, Baptist, Episcopalian, whatever you want to be, even if you were atheist at one point, get the clean, get the unclean and get in this boat. Cause baby, we're going somewhere and you don't want to be on the outside. Cause if you miss it, Oh God, you ain't going to make it. Anybody ready for a great move of God to take place? Oh God, Marty's better. Turn me up, baby. First point, make room. There it is. My God. Second thing, there was a window. Everybody say a window. God gave Noah specific instructions in Genesis 6.16 to make a roof for it. Meaning, make a roof on the ark, but leave an opening in the center. Think, I just thought, because this just hit me. Think about this. Why the center? Psalm 121 tells us that we should look to the hills from where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. When you look at the center, what is Jesus? The center of our life. I wonder how many people had a hole in the roof, but they ain't got nothing to fill it with. I didn't say that. That was free. That wasn't in the first service. But he told them, make a roof and make a window for it. Now, the window represents a few different things. The placement of the window is significant, too, because God didn't tell him to put a, the window on the side of the boat. He told him to put it on top of the boat. And the reason why he put it on the top of the boat is because this is a representation of the opening of heaven on the ark. That it was a window of protection, a window of provision, and a window of favor. In this next season, there will be an open window over the church. There will be an open window over everyone who's connected to it. A window of blessing, a window of favor, a window of healing, a window of prosperity and health over you, over your children, over your marriage, over your finances, over your business. Come on, somebody. I'm ready for God just to, I told the first service, I can see God ripping the lid off this thing and say, Bethesda, you want healing? Here it is. You want miracles? Here it is. You want revival? Here it is. You want your building paid off? Here it is. You want an extension of grace? Here it is. Whatever you want, you got it. That's an open window. And I tell you, we serve a God. A lot of people think I got to, you know, just proud as well. No, honey, just be obedient. That window will open up for you. The window wasn't just used as an opening for a blessing. It was also used for guidance. Because in Genesis 8, 6 through 12, we're told that Noah sends out the dove to find out if the water has receded enough to exit the ark. The Bible says that Noah sent out the dove three different times. On the first time, the dove came back, nothing happened, which meant that when the dove came back, the water, wasn't, the water was still too high. They couldn't leave. He sent the dove out a second time. The dove came back, but it brought an olive leaf, which represents peace. That's where we get the term extending an olive branch from. But then he sent it out a third time. And when he sent it out the third time, the dove didn't come back, which meant that the water had receded enough where the dove could be safe and they could stop. So here's what we have to understand about this. In this next season, there will be peace about where we're supposed to go and we will be led by the Holy Spirit. But that's all good. That preach is good. That sounds good. Yeah. Some of y'all sassy in the spirit. But here's the problem. Church people build a wall, not a window. Here's the problem. You want to build a wall around your marriage because you can fix it. Okay. 
Let me, I said this earlier. What does not get healed gets handed down. I promise you don't fix your marriage, your kids will fit. Your kids will struggle with it too. So instead of building a window on our relationship with Jesus, we sometimes build a wall. We build a wall around our marriage. We build a wall around our business, around our finances, around our ministry, around ourselves. And here's the thing you have to understand that a window, it represents all this, but God does not just pour something into nothing. God is a God of order and structure. And what you have to understand is that there has to be a vessel. There has to be something. Anytime the Bible talks about oil, there talks about anointing, talks about God pouring out something, there has to be people. There has to be a vessel. There has to be something. No matter if it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, God pours his spirit into something that can contain it. So many people beg for, God, just pour it out. Honey, open up the window. Quit trying to fix your marriage. Get help. Start giving to the church and stop complaining that you don't have bills. I don't teach on tithing. That ain't my job. I'm just going to say it's better to give than to receive. God don't do one without the other. That's all I'm saying. Okay, let me go. Okay, they didn't like the mayor. They didn't like the money. Okay, here's the thing. We build a wall around our nation and our political opinion. Oh, God. Because here's the problem. I'll pray for him as long as the two I voted for. Oh, my God. You missed the part that says God orders the man or the woman that's in office. Listen, I don't care who you voted for. Honor the man and honor the woman. I don't care what they vote on. I pray for them just as I prayed for the last one and the one before that. My God, here's what you got to understand. Quit building a wall where you should build a window. Don't complain God's not doing nothing and God's blessing everybody else when you don't give God an avenue for you to get blessed in. That's what the window represented, an opening for God to do something. Christians act like they're the only ones that got an opinion. I ain't touching on that. I'm going to lose half the church. I'm going off my notes and I'm getting fired. I ain't doing that. No. I said it before, I'll say it again. God does not just pour something into nothing. That's why God told him, he said, build a window so I can pour my spirit in. And guess what God did when he poured the spirit in? He said, send the spirit out so I can tell you when it's safe. I wonder how many people don't have a window and they're just sitting there saying, God, I wonder when it's going to be my time. God, I wonder when it's going to be me. Everybody else is getting blessed in a promotion. Everybody else is getting all this stuff, but I'm not. Have you opened up a window? In the church world, we call it a fleece. Throw out a fleece. If it rains everywhere around it, but that, you know it's God. Some of y'all build a wall so high of a fence. Church people are the most offended people. We sit there and we preach on Facebook, because some of y'all Facebook pastors, right? So like y'all, y'all think you got all this Bible degree because you get on Bible Gateway and you quote stuff. Like, okay, cool. Even Satan knew scripture. That's all I'm saying. So, so here's why I'm saying, oh God, I'm getting a little nervous now. Here's all I'm saying, because here's the problem. Church people want to act offended, but they won't get free from nothing. The reason God put, told Noah to build an opening is because the window represents freedom. It represents an ad direction. God helped the body of Christ without direction. The Bible says without vision, the people perish. Noah had no idea where he's going, but he sent out the dove three times. Let me help you. Send out the Holy Spirit three times and see what he says. Start asking the Holy Spirit about your kids. Start asking the Holy Spirit about your finances. Start asking the Holy Spirit about your marriage. Start asking the Holy Spirit, should I text that boy back or that girl back? Should I start asking people more questions than just telling them what I'm going to do? Come on, I'm hitting all demographics and age groups today. The dove kept Noah from getting his timing wrong. 
That's why he sent it out three times. Noah knew when the dove didn't come back that it wasn't time. Hear me, because the dove told Noah, when I don't come back, you know it's time. Then God opened up the door. Here's the thing. We may build the door, but God's the one that ultimately operates it. I wonder how many people are trying to knock a door open right now. You're sitting there just, I want a new marriage. This one's not working. I want more money, but I'm not giving to the local church. I wish my kids would get better, but I'm not making enough time for them. Listen, here's the thing. If Noah would have got the timing wrong on the boat with the door, they all would have been dead. The water was so high that they found fish bones on Mount Everest. Imagine if Noah would have waited on him, not waited on God and would have done it himself. But Noah was a man of obedience. This moves me into the last point. Everybody hit somebody and say, he's almost done. I told you I was going to be quick today. Last point, last key, there's a door. Everybody say door. Now we got to go back to Genesis 6.16 to understand this. Put a door in the side of the ark and make three levels, a lower, a middle, and an upper deck. So the ark has rooms for multiplication, a window at the top for guidance, and a door on the side. And this is powerful. You can't miss this. The door was shut by God when the flood came. Noah built the door, but God operated it. Genesis 7, 13 through 16 says this, that on that very day, this is talking about when the rain came, that on that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and wives of three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind. Everything with Basically, the Bible's telling us everything that walked, crawled, slithered, and everything else and flew was in the boat at this time. But verse 16 says this, the animals going in were male and female of every living thing as God had commanded Noah. Then, everybody say then. Then the Lord shut him in. Wow. God shut the door for Noah. I wonder how many people have allowed God to shut the door. See, because the door represents a few different things. We think about, you know, the door getting closed. Oh, they're fine. They're having a little animal party. No, no, they weren't. People died. Like a few million people died. And all that was left was like 10 people. You got to understand this. God shut the door. I wonder how many of us have sat there and we've tried to keep the door open when God's told us to keep it shut. Wonder how many times you got a text message from that person and God said, don't do it. And you say, eh, I'm lonely. You got to understand the door was protection. The door was provision. God shut the door so they could be safe. God shut the door so they didn't have to worry about the floodwaters coming in. God shut the door because they were the only ones obedient enough to build the ark and to be a part of it. Stop trying to open a door that God shut. I said this first service that we, we tend in the church world like we, we quote scripture as we should, but we do this whole thing where we like, and this is like a baby Christian stuff that like, we think God's going to open every door run right after the other, like simultaneously, like a self-checkout. You just scan, go, scan, go, open door, promotion, better marriage, better kids, 
more money. And we do this thing where we keep thinking there's these open doors. But you know there's hell in the hallway? Bishop Kellen Wallace was here when we opened the building a few years ago. And, and everybody's preaching on these double doors, all these prophecies. And then Bishop Wallace comes in here. He was sitting right over there. And he looked over and he said, the Lord just changed my sermon. I'm supposed to preach on hell in the hallway. Lord, if we knew then what we knew now. Let me help you all real fast. The reason why it's hell in the hallway is because there's nobody else. The Bible says this in Revelation 3a. See, I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. You want to know why nobody else can shut it? Because God's the one that operates the door. But you see, the Bible doesn't say, I've opened up a door for you and everybody else in your house. He said, no, I've opened up a door for you. You, God, and the devil are the only ones in the hallway. That's the reason there's hell in the hallway. It's because all we have to do, because here's the thing with church people, we just keep knocking on doors. We just keep trying to open up doors. When God said, I shut this one, walk down the hallway and wait till I open up this door. And when I open up this door, you're going to know it's open. Like there's going to be no questions asked. Like you're going to be able to be like, oh, it's dark. There's a light. Let me walk through. But church people, we complicate it. We think everything's a sign. Oh, Okay. We sit there and we think we get all of our information from Facebook and CNN and Fox News. That's why there's hell in the hallway. If we have more people, especially Christians, reading the Bible instead of going to news and getting their political opinion, because I promise you every political agenda can be solved by the word of God. Everything. But here's the problem. The Bible tells us that God opens, the, uh, God shut the door for Noah. And the Bible also tells us in Revelation that God opens the door that no man can shut. But the problem is though, how do we get from the closed door to the open door? You got to walk. Got to be obedient. You have to understand this. There's an open door for you. There's an open door for your family. There's an open door for your business over your ministry. And you can build it all you want. You can build it as high as you want. You can build it as tall or wide. You can put shutters on it. I don't care. You can build the door. But precious, you ain't the one that opens it. God does. I'm telling you, you can open the right door at the wrong time and it'd be wrong every single time. Because if Noah would have opened up the door on the first or second time he sent out the dove, oh God, it would have killed all of them. More people should praise God for a closed door than they should an open door. You should be thankful, single people. You're not with that person you were two years ago. People that launched a business, you should be thankful God gave you that idea to launch that business because if you wouldn't have, you probably would have lost your job during the pandemic. You should be thankful in all things by prayer and petition. It's what the Bible tells us. You got to understand the door. I could preach all day on a door. The door was meant to keep them from going too soon, but it also kept them from making sure they didn't make the same mistake that everybody else did. God shut the door and said, don't, don't leave until I tell you to. Pastor Chad told me something a couple of years ago. He, he's, he taught this to me a long time ago, and he just always repeats it to me. And he said, Jeremiah, he said, if you're praying and God doesn't speak to you, he said, what did God tell you last? He said, whatever God told you to do last is what you need to keep doing until God gives you a new word. 
You know what God told Noah? And here's how this ties in with the sermon. I'm not just ranting. Here's how it ties in with the sermon. is because God told Noah, get your family, get the animals, get in the boat, and I'm shutting you in. And you don't come out until I tell you to. Noah wasn't sitting there on the door hoping something would happen. I would hate to be Noah. Look at my shoes. Do I look like I belong on a farm? No. Let me answer for you. No, I don't. Look at my outfit. I, slim, fit, slim fit clothes. I, I'm not meant for a farm. Carhartt and Wrangler don't belong on this body. <laughs> but you got to imagine, think about this. Oh God, the Lord just reminded me of something. I'm not just saying that the Lord literally just reminded me of something. The Bible said, hey, this is a part of this, the window. The window wasn't just used for direction. It was also meant to get the stink out from the animal sewage. I wonder how many of y'all keep got all this sewage and all these toxic people and you won't get the window open to get all that stench out. Honey, I'm gonna preach this till somebody gets it. There is a door on your life. There is a door over your marriage. There's a door over your ministry. There's a door over your business. There's a door over your household. There's a door over your drug addicted cousin. There's a drawer, oh God, there's a door. If you could understand this, there's a door that no man can shut and only God can open. And just as God shut it for Noah, God will keep you safe. If you could understand and grasp with your mind that if God's willing to shut the door when a flood comes, you don't think God's willing to protect you? Oh, God help us to be a generation, to be obedient as Noah, to understand we're called to make room. This isn't my church, it's our church. It's God's kingdom, that there's a window of protection and provision, and that that window's also used to get them toxic fumes out. But then there's a door. Oh God, there's a door. And the door was opened when God said, open it. If you're not on your feet, stand on your feet. Genesis 8, 15 through 18. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark, you and your wife and your son and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures, so they can multiply on the earth. Remember what the Lord told me? Season of multiplication. I'm about to tie this thing together. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wives and his, all the kids and the animals. God only opened the door when the water completely receded and it was safe. The Holy Spirit guided them to the place where God wanted them to be in order for the Lord to open up the door at the right time. So we talked about three keys, a place for multiplication, a window, a door. I don't know what your next is, but let me tell you this. You better get ready for multiplication. I don't know what your next is, but you better make room. I don't know what your next is, but you better be led by the Holy Spirit where you're going. I don't know what your next is, but you better have peace before you make that jump. I don't know what your next is, but I'm telling you, there's going to be a door that God can open and no man can shut. And I promise you, you need to stop knocking and quit and stop knocking and start walking. Got to understand this. I don't know what your next is, but I do feel this. And I don't say prophetic. I know I said at the beginning, I don't say that to, to get a ruse or any type of emotional attachment. It's not about me. But we've been in an arc season at this church. A lot of people connected to it could tell you the same thing. It just feels like we're just fighting all the time. We ain't getting no rest. But can I tell you, revival and repentance, remember they look a lot alike? What God did in Genesis 6 through 8, is what God did for Adam and Eve. 
He tried to create it fresh. Get all that mess out of there. Can I tell you, the next big wave that hits this church isn't just revival and healing. But it's like this church is going to be like a, a beacon. It's dark out there. You know how you see light? You turn it on when it's dark. World's dark. You don't have to watch the news. You can just walk outside and walk down Main Street and you can hear everything that's going on. Ask three people. They'll tell you what's wrong in their life. But can I tell you what? I, I don't want to just be somebody that listens. I want to be somebody that does. They were obedient. Noah and his family were obedient. And God said, because of your obedience, I will multiply you. Not just one time, but a hundred thousand fold. Because our lineage is traced back to Noah's lineage. I felt like this in prayer this morning, that I needed to release this over you, this scripture. It's not on the screen, just bear with me. Genesis 9, 1 through 2. And the title of this is God Confirms His Covenant. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Verse two, all the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the animals that scurry around the ground and all the fish in the sea that will look on you with fear and terror, for I have placed them in your power. You know what this is? This is a direct correlation to Genesis at the beginning where God said, Adam, I have given you dominion over everything. What Adam and Eve messed up in Genesis one and two and three, is what God tried to fix in Genesis 6 through 8. And then we messed it up. And then Jesus came down and said, I'm tired of dealing with it. I'm tired of sacrificing it. I'm going to die. I'm going to come back, take death, hell, and the grave. And then you're going to have full dominion. This all translates to the New Testament. Why this is so impactful? Because this is a kingdom message. Obedience, dominion. And here's why I felt like the Lord wanted me to release over you that God told him to be fruitful and multiply. Fruitfulness is birthed out of faithfulness, which is obedience. Don't complain you ain't getting blessed when you're not being faithful. Dream team, be faithful in your serving. If you're not serving, join. You wanna be a part of what God's doing? Next week, two weeks after this, Jump in next steps. Be a part of this. I don't say that because we need people. I say that because what God is doing through this dream team, could you, uh, we can spend a whole day talking about the miracles and the manifestations that God has done recently through the people that serve at this church. Why? Because obedience, faithfulness, they're attached. Fruitfulness and faithfulness, they're a thing. Then God said, I've placed them in your power, which is, which means dominion and power. Here's what I feel like I'm supposed to tell you as we close this out. These three things aren't just three things that you can find in the Bible. These are three prophetic keys that I feel like God wants everybody to walk in. You need to make room. Get ready for multiplication. Second thing, you need to have a window. Build a window. If you don't come to church, listen, if you're at home and you're not comfortable, I respect that. You're good. But at some point, I would love for you to come back in here and be a part of what God's doing physically. There's nothing like it. You need to create a window for the Holy Spirit to guide you. For the provision and the blessing of God to pour out upon you. And the third thing is a door. Everybody's got a door. But when the door opens, don't be scared. There's going to be peace. 
If I'm Noah, I'm thinking this whole time, God, the whole world has been flooded and you want me to go out here and be fruitful and multiply. You know what's crazy? It was better after the flood than it was before the flood. Why? Because when revival hits, it's always better after than it was before. Salvation, the person's always better after than they were before. Get the clean, get the unclean. I'm excited for what God's doing. There's a lot, listen, I, I know a lot of people get up here and not up here, but a lot of people in, like in churches be like, God's on the move. Do all this stuff. We got 45 things you can get wet, you know, you can get connected. Just serve. Give. Be part of the church. Listen, you can't expect God to bless you every single time when you come in late every single Sunday. And listen, I'm not calling anybody out. Don't, don't get offended. That ain't it. I'm saying if you want God to move in your life, be a part of it. Christianity is not a spectator sport. We can't sit, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for Bethesda Church and we're walking in it now, but I'm just the bus driver. Pastor Chad says that people are gonna get on the bus, people are gonna get off the bus. I'm just taking people from to to fro. Listen, I, I'm gonna tell you what, I'm ready to close the doors on this bus and I'm ready to start moving. I'm ready to put 2020 behind me. I'm ready to put every political agenda from the enemy behind me. I'm ready. Marty, you better boost me up. I feel it. I'm tired of everything this world has tried to give me. I'm tired of pandemics. I'm tired of mandates. Get the vaccine or get the freedom, but for the love of God, get back to church. I don't care what you get, but for the love of God, for everything, get back to church. Get back to serving. Get connected. Create the window for God to bless you. Let the door shut on that. Begin to walk in the calling, walk in the freedom, walk in obedience. And I'm telling you what, when you do, fruitfulness will follow you and God will multiply the very little that you give. God will multiply it and it will be better than anything you could ask, believe, or imagine. If you're ready for God to do something in your season and next, why don't you put your hands together in the best way you know how? Listen, I know some of y'all came from Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, Catholic, atheism, non-denominationalism, whatever the world you is. But I'm telling you, the kingdom of God ain't a denomination or a race. It's a body of believers that want to see the kingdom of God move into the earth. I'm not waiting for heaven for me to see heaven. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and pray, thy kingdom come in white sulfur, thy will be done in heaven. Thy kingdom come in West Virginia, thy will be done in heaven. Because you don't want to know what's in heaven? No drug epidemic, no unemployment ratio, no Democrat, no Republican, no independent, no nationalist, no supremacist, nothing like that. Because I'm telling you what God has for us next. I'm telling you, this thing's getting ready to fly off the handles. And some of y'all are like, I don't know what that means. That just means better get ready to give up your seat. You better get ready. The hurting are coming. It's going to be ugly. And I'm not talking like all this bad stuff. I'm talking like revival's ugly. It's nasty. It ain't pretty. If we took sin and we washed it in water, it would be nasty, wouldn't it? I'm telling you what, you better get connected while you can. Because what God's going to do in this next season, you'll want to be a part of it. If I'm you, and this isn't just me because I work here and I got the microphone. If I'm you, I'm getting plugged in two weeks from now. And I'm saying I'm going to clear my schedule and I'm going to help out. Not because we need help. We do need a little bit of help. But I'm not saying that in regard to numbers. I'm saying that because God's doing something. 
I want you to be a part of it. I want your kids to be a part of it. You want to know why? Because 24, I said it before, 24 students got filled. You know what we do every Wednesday night? Play games. I preach a little lesson. And then I open up the altar and I let the Holy Spirit do his job. If God could do that in a 13-year-old, why can't he do it in a 40-year-old? Because they're obedient. I got to end this thing. We got to honor some graduates. Got to be happy. Close out today. Can't be preaching mad all the time. Just get plugged in. Whatever it looks like, whatever it is, hold a door. Say hi to somebody. You don't have to know all this crazy. If you want to know this crazy technology stuff, Pastor Josh will tease you. If you want to hold a door, greet somebody on the way in. I'm t- I just feel like I- I'm not even saying that. I promise you. Tolbert didn't pay me to say this. I-, I promise you. I feel, I really feel like God's getting ready to do something in our dream team. Because they're the hands and feet of Christ. They're the hands and feet of this church. Just as Jesus laid hands on everybody that was sick and they were healed, so shall our dream team. Everywhere the feet were planted of Joshua, God said, it shall be yours. Everywhere our dream team plants their feet, no demon possession, no alcoholism, nothing like that can be in the land. This isn't in my notes. Get connected. Obedience. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. Create a window for the love of God in your marriage. Create a window for God to bless it. Quit building a wall. Let God bless your marriage. Let him bless your children. Let God open up the right door for you. Let God begin to move. Send out the Holy Spirit. Ask him. He'll guide you. The Bible says he's our comforter. He's our advocate. It's his job. It's his role. It's what God's sending for. He's not for us to talk about a couple of times a year. The Holy Spirit's job is to comfort us and to help us. He's our advocate. I feel God's getting ready to do something in this moment, in this church. If you're at home, I'd love to see your face behind a mask or without a mask, whatever. But I'm ready for God to do something in your life too. Here's what I want to do. Bow your head and close your eyes, wherever you're at. If you're at home, just create a moment here. If I'm sitting here and I'm talking about Jesus, I'm talking about all this stuff, and you say, Jeremiah, I don't think I'm in right relationship with Jesus. I don't think if he came back tonight or tomorrow, I don't know if I'd make it to heaven. If that's you, listen, we're not going to make fun of you. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to say anything crazy. What we want to do is celebrate life change with you. Listen, if you want to make a decision for Christ, recommit your life, or this is the first time, listen, all we need you to do is just throw your hand up as high as you can for us to acknowledge it. We'll come right back down. Throw it up as high as you can. We're not going to make fun of you. We're not going to call you out. Thank you for that hand over there. God bless you. Anybody else? Got a hand over here. Thank you for that one. Everybody repeat after me loud enough so nobody prays by themselves. Everybody say, dear Jesus, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. I'm a sinner and I've committed sins and I need saved. So Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Save me and change me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate life change? Come on, if it was your family member, you dance, you jump, you shout. Listen, 
I'm trying to empty hell and occupy heaven. So if you're ready for God to occupy everything this ground has, will you put your hands together and celebrate the life change? Listen, I'm going to do one more prayer. Do one more prayer. And I want to pray over y'all. It's a blessing. I feel like I'm supposed to pronounce a blessing over you. Proclaim some things. And when I do that, and I say amen, listen, uh, prayer team, staff, you guys can go ahead and get in place. This is your formal dismissal. Wherever you guys are at, if you're a prayer team, uh, spirit-filled, staff member, make your way to the sides here. Because what I want us to do on Wednesdays, we see all these people come up for prayer. And then Sundays, and people are like, I don't need to pray for it. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you feel like this season has been hell on earth, and you're ready for God to do something in your life, something new, you're ready for your season to next. These prayer people got up bright and early this morning to pray with and over you. So I'm going to pronounce a blessing. When I pronounce the blessing and say amen, the worship team is going to lead us back into one more song. And then you guys, if you want prayer, you can come on down. Listen, I'm going to pray over you. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is evident in this room. God, I pray hearts and minds would be open and receptive to what the ministry of reconciliation is going to do in here. God, I pray that those who are bound would find freedom. Those who were lost would be found. God, those who are struggling, Lord, would walk in their calling. God, I pray that in this season of next that we're walking into right now, Father God, that, Lord, you would help us to understand, to make room for those who are to come, to be able to be ready to be multiplied. Father, Lord, I pray that they would understand there's a window, Father God, that, Lord, there's a window of blessing and protection and outpouring upon them, that, God, there's a door that only you can open, Father God, and no man can shut, that they would walk in that. Lord, I pray they would continue to be obedient and faithful in what you have given them, Father. Lord, I pray that in this next season, Lord, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, Father God, what you will do in this place. Exceed every expectation. God, it's all about you. So move in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, we're going into one more song. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with and over you. Graduates, we'll celebrate you guys after the end of this last song. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv give. We'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great day.